one of the most important things we need to do in a relationship is get real. So many times I see people playing games in a relationship and as a therapist who has seen thousands of clients and who has seen many, many clients with couples issues, it never ceased to amaze me how people would still be playing games in their marriage years into the relationship. So sisters listening out there, if you want to keep your man happy, you need to get real no matter what the consequences are. Welcome to Soul Sisters Get Real, the show that goes deep in who we really are and why we are really here. We're your hosts, Karen from the States and Eleni from Australia. We've had heartfelt conversations as soul sisters for years, and we're ready to share our truths, stories, and life lessons with you. And to inspire you to connect to your truest essence, which resides deep within your soul. There'll be tears, there'll be laughter, and there'll be no holding back. So sit back, relax, and let's get real about the things that truly matter. everybody welcome to today's episode of soul sisters get real and today we're going to be talking about a real juicy topic and we are talking about how to keep your man happy and I know this title is going to polarize some listeners and some viewers in terms of what we've got to say but we've both been in long-term relationships I haven't been single since I was 20 years old I'm now 54 (laughs) I'm 55, actually. I turned 55. Yes, you did. Happy birthday. You did last week. How funny. I keep thinking I'm going to be 54, but I'm 55. I turned 55 last week. Have not been single for 34 years. In the relationships that I've had, um, they've been super beautiful relationships. My partners have never wanted those relationships to end. And I'm going to be giving you my secrets and so is Karen. Karen's also going to be giving you her secrets, how to keep your man happy. (laughs) Yes, this is going to be a fun one. And, you know, soul sisters get real. How perfect is this that we're just going to get real? We're just going to get real and we're going to talk about the stuff that we would secretly talk about just by ourselves um, during a FaceTime. And one of the things that I'm going to say about how to keep your man happy, I'm going to leave to the very end because that's going to be the most controversial one. So I'm going to give, you know, my opinion on other ones first, but the one that I think that, and even you, Karen, you don't know what it is. I know. Uh, I said, I'm not going to tell you because I want your reaction. Um, I'm going to leave that to the very, very, very end. So you need to keep listening to hear what that is. So I'll go first and let's take this in turns. In okay, terms of and how- I can't wait. I can't wait till that last one. Now you've got me like so wondering. <laughs> Yay. So right. the, the first thing, you know, exactly what you said in terms of soul sisters get real. I think that one of the most important things we need to do in a relationship is get real. So many times I see people playing games in a relationship and as a therapist who has seen thousands of clients and who has seen many, many clients with couples issues, it never ceased to amaze me how people would still be playing games in their marriage years into the relationship. So they're not actually saying what they really feel and what they really think to their partner. 
And to me that is game playing and it's not being real. And there is so much toxicity that can be created when you're not real. We're not, we're not speaking from your heart. Well, you're not actually saying what you feel, what you think. So sisters listening out there, if you want to keep your man happy, you need to get real no matter what the consequences are, no matter what you think his reaction will be. Because often I would say to my client, Karen, I would say, so they would tell me about all their issues and what's going on in their marriage or their relationship or whatever. And I said, well, have you spoken about it? Well, not in so many words. Okay, you need to speak about it. You can't keep it inside you. Because that resentment when you keep stuff inside you, it brews. Then you just blow up at some sort of minor issue. And that partner can feel the energy of you feeling discontented anyway. And then that brings an energy of discontent in the relationship. So you have to speak your truth. What do you think about that? Okay. So interesting. We, you bring that up because you and I are, are very different on many levels and we know it, right? So, um, I, I have to say is that is difficult for many, many people. And I am one of those that has to learn that or had to learn that. And at my age, 53, because I just had a birthday, uh, it, it's, it's been the second relationship that I am in that I am learning that because I know that I am a supporter. And a supporter is someone that doesn't like controversy, doesn't like confrontation, doesn't like to argue and certainly doesn't like to make anyone feel bad. And so it's easier to not bring it up and hold it in. That's our way of being, right? And so then what happens is, is exactly what you said is we hold it in because we don't want to cause conflict and we don't want them to be angry at us and we don't want them to feel sad and we don't want them to feel bad that they did this. And then we cause it to, we hold on to it and then we create resentment in ourselves. So it sounds easy to some people, people that um, are more used to like speaking what they want and what they need and saying it outright is super easy for those kind of people. Then there's those of us that it's really hard to ask for something. Like we don't know how to ask others for support. And it, not that we don't know how, it's not our go-to right? And I've learned all of this, but it's hard for us to say what's really on our mind because we don't want to cause conflict. Yet in the end, exactly like you said, it creates more because when you really think about it, it's selfish to not because we're making, we're having the other people guess. What is it we want? What is it that we're feeling? Like, how is it that we can have a better relationship because we're not sharing it yet we're not sharing it because we don't want conflict. So it's really interesting, but I agree with you 100%. If you haven't done it and you are a supporter, learn it. You know, it's so good that you actually brought the other side because, you know, I'm speaking from my perspective and my perspective is, and I've been like this all my life and I feel this has been, you know, one of the reasons as to why I have had very successful relationships. You know, I've only had three relationships in my life. The first one went for 10 years. I chose to end it. The second one went for 22 years. Again, I chose to end it. And the third one, and they were both beautiful relationships. And this current one is for six years. And um, with me, if I have something inside of me, I'm going to literally feel sick if I don't say it. Like I will literally be unwell and sick. It has to come out of me. And um, I remember at the beginning, Christian would say to me, yeah, it's okay for you. You get out of you and then you put it onto me. (laughs) 
<laughs> because Christians like you in terms of um, not wanting conflict, not wanting to have any kind of issue between us. So I'm going to give a little solution for those people who are like you, Karen, who are supporters and who are finding it difficult to actually speak your truth. So we have this thing with Christian which works really, really well and it's a, it's a time, you know, once a week where we talk about our pet peeves. Now, these are things that you wouldn't normally talk about, but the great thing about pet peeves is that pet peeves, if you don't tell your partner, they, they build and then they turn into resentment. So it could be something as small as when you wash your cup in the sink, you know, why do you treat me like a flatmate and only wash your cup? When you know that every time I go to the sink, I, I wash everything that's in the sink. Cause there's no way, cause I've never ever shared a house with a flatmate. It's always been with an, a significant other. And so, you know, we've been trained since we were young that if whatever's in the sink, you wash everything in the sink. That's an example. Whereas Christian has been a bachelor all his life before he met me. And, um, he's very used to like, you know, just taking care of his little things. So that was one of the things that I said to him because for me, it means more than just washing that cup. For me, it's about you're treating me like a flatmate and I'm not your flatmate, you know, I am your significant other. And so having that conversation once a week where we talk about pet peeves before it becomes an issue and that way I can say, well, why is this significant to me? Because I'm yes. feeling like I'm being treated like a flatmate. And he never even understood that concept, that that's what I was mm. feeling. We have to not think that the other person is a mind reader because they're not. Yeah. Like our, our partner is not a mind reader. Right, right. And that's so interesting because that goes to my point about, you know, um, what our topic is, is keeping your man happy. My point was not to hold it in when something is bothering you. Because I'm still learning that is when something's bothering me and I feel hurt, it's typically about feeling hurt. And it's typically around something that triggers me from a past relationship that I realize I'm bringing in and it's triggered me and I feel hurt. Maybe it's uh, not spending enough time with me, not making me a priority, realizing that's from a past relationship and I hold it in. And then I feel it like festers. And so that's exactly the point that I was going to bring up is don't hold it in. And Chad is always telling me, why do you wait? Like something bothers you. And like three days later, I'm, it takes me three days to build it up to say something. And then he's like, why didn't, like, why didn't you say something when it happened? And I literally like, it's like I get tongue tied. And so I'm working really hard at the second it happens to voice it in, you know, obviously a kind, like, not you did way. And um, I'm still again, so that was my point is like, if something bothers you, don't hold it in for three days and try to talk yourself through it, like just freaking do it. Absolutely. And what you just said is what I'm going to lead off with, which is you just said not in a you did this to me kind of way. So that's really important. So it's not like, hey, you've done this to me. Because no one does anything to anybody else. It's your perception of, of every single circumstance and experience and we have to start from that point. It is, okay, so um, 
you know that I really, really, really love this relationship and I want to make this relationship even better or whatever. That sandwich approach, which was invented back in the like 70s, it doesn't get old. Like to start with something positive, to put your message in the middle and to end with something positive because then that comes across as better. And the middle bit has to be how you feel. So for the example that I gave, it was like when you don't, um, you know, I love the fact that you clean up your cups when you do go to <laughs> to the to the sink and you don't wait for me. That's really great. I really appreciate that. But when you don't also wash mine, it makes me feel like I'm your flatmate instead of, you know, your partner. That's what it feels like to me. So do you think that it would be possible that maybe you could just reconsider the way you do things? And I really appreciate that you're sitting here listening to me to you know give you this message so you've given so it's it's not like you know when you go to the sink why do you always wash your dishes and not mine see how it comes across as completely different which is just to speak from our heart you know that makes so much difference just to speak from our heart I agree I agree yes and the other one that I was thinking well obviously we have lots of them but one that was coming up for me is learning love languages And there's the book, The Five Love Languages. And what I've learned is it's really important to be aware of your partner's love language because it's the way that they show you love, even though it's not necessarily the way that you see and feel love. And so we get to, just because my love language is uh, acts of service, it doesn't mean that I should always be doing acts of service because I get to find out what his love language is. And then that's how I speak to him in love languages. And so learn the love language and then speak to them in their language instead of in yours. And to add to that brilliant point is also tell him about your love language. So you need to both do that exercise. So Christian and I did that right at the very beginning. And that's a brilliant point because we both we both picked our first top two and one of them was the same, which was physical um, public displays of affection or physical affection or whatever it was. Uh, that was one of them, which was great that we both have that. That, that was a real bonus that we both love mm-hmm. the touch, physical affection. And then mine was acts of service too. And his was um, quality time. So we both knew that. So he knew that to make me happy and so that I can feel loved, that he needs to do stuff for me and that might be making me a cup of tea while I'm sitting on on the couch. It could be anything but an act of service. You know, in the old house it was actually doing stuff around the house that would really make me so happy. And his was quality time, which meant that when I spoke to him, I needed to make sure that not only was the phone I wasn't glancing on the phone. I had to actually turn the phone around to make it to make it like a point. The yeah. phone is not coming into our conversation. Yeah. Let's talk about what the five love languages are so everyone knows what they are, right? So I'll say one, acts of service. What's another one? So physical af- affection. Mm-hmm. Um, quality time. Quality time. And um, the other one is um, gifts. Like receiving gifts? Yes. Yes. And there's one more. Yeah. Hearing. Hearing 
A word of affirmation. Words of words affirmation. Of affirmation. So that's when you tell someone, I really love you. And they need to hear that. So everyone's, so you do this quiz. If you don't know it and you're in a relationship, you've got to do it. You're just going to look it up online, love languages. You both do the quiz. You both do it together. Like these kind of activities at the beginning of our relationship with Christian and I, we did these activities a lot. Like we, we are working on the relationship to make sure that this is, this is going to work. So we would do a lot of quizzes together. And these quizzes really are a beautiful bonding time together where we find out more about each other. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And that brings me to the, my next one is, uh, the appreciation, showing appreciation. And that is, not necessarily words of affirmation, like, hey, I love you and you're really great. And I love the way you say that to me, which is super important with words of affirmation for everyone. But the appreciation of I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you because I appreciate that you spent that time with me. I appreciate that you washed both of our cups last time I asked you to. Right. So that appreciation oh, yes. is huge, especially for men especially for men, because that matches up with one of my points. You know, it's interesting we did our points separately, but they're actually the same points. Um, and because the reason it is especially important for men, which is what you've just said, is that it allows them to step into their masculine energy because the masculine needs to protect. It needs to be significant. So when when a male does not feel significant in the relationship, like they're not actually doing something to protect their women or look after their women. They actually feel um, their masculine energy starts to evaporate and then they lose their essence. It's really important, especially for women who love being responsible, who love taking control, who are the A-type women um, and I am one of those women that I have learned in this relationship to let go and to allow the masculine to be masculine and then show our appreciation, like you said. So I'm really glad you brought up the example of the washing cups in the sink because, yes, there was, a, you know, the final part to that, which is once he does do it, really say I'm really grateful for. And a lot of women are resentful because they're like, oh, why should I? This is what's happened in therapy when I've, you know, counselled women. They're like, well, why should I? I wash it like... I wash the dishes all the time and he washes it once and I'm going to be thankful for that once. Yes, you're going to be thankful for that once because that's going to make the difference in him feeling that, you know, he's appreciated and he will then do more, you know. And you do have to be grateful for everything that he has decided to do and put into action. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, I read something one time and this is a, a stretch. And if you could daily tell your partner, your soulmate, what it is you appreciate for them every, about them every single day, how magical would that be? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it also puts you in your heart space. So when you do that, when you're like, oh, you know, um, what do I need to say to my partner, especially if your partner's love language is um, listening to words of affirmation, then that's something you do need to do every day, you know, and it puts you into your heart space. What do I love about him? Rather than thinking about what do I 
what am I getting annoyed about with him? Like, what do I love about him? And they love it. And don't you love it? Like, if you hear it, you love it too. And then when you do it, that kind of energy, it gets multiplied. And then it just comes back to you. Not that we should do things so that it can come back to us, mm. but it just does anyway. And it's interesting because I was thinking there are probably some people listening to this, especially women that are like, well, I can't do that because he's so mean or I can't do that because, you know, and the relationship has gotten really rough. And here's a really amazing point. I remember when my marriage was uh, really having problems, I went to a very wise woman who happened to be actually the aunt of my ex-husband. And I said to her, I am really, really struggling this is going on. I'm not sure what to do. And she said, can you do me a favor? Do you want to still be married? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, can you do me a favor? She said, can you just go home and walk up to him and kiss him on the forehead and say nothing? And I was in this space of, you've got to be kidding me. No, like, I don't want to. He's this and that and right. And, and I don't feel like I can. And there's so many walls up and and I took a deep breath and I sucked it up and I said, yes, I can. And you know what? I did. And it was magical. It, it like, he was so different for so many days. And it was like, all of a sudden this new or guy that he was showed up and I said, not a word. It was a kiss on the forehead. I love that. I love that. And it makes a big, big difference. And again, like if you receive that kiss on the forehead, like to actually say, so as an example, I was sitting, you know, the other day I was sitting at my desk doing work and Christian just came out of nowhere and gave me a big kiss and a big hug. And I said to him later on that night, I said, you know what, when you came, you came and gave me that big kiss and hug out of nowhere, that I really, really loved that. They need to then know you know, going back to that point, they need to then know that you love that because then that will give you more of it. And then it just, you know, multiplies. So yes, these random like moments of affection and really giving all your love. Like I'm a big, big believer in affection. I was very lucky because I was brought up like that from my dad. My mum was never the affectionate type. Um, You know, she was like that awkward person that can't hug. Um, but my dad was a big, big, big kisser and a big, big hugger. And me being the lucky one, because I was the youngest of five, I received a lot of affection from my dad. And so I learned to love that way because I received it. I learned to love that way. Now, even if you didn't have not received it, you know, to go against the grain and to go to your partner randomly during the day and to give them a hug and to give them a kiss, like Karen said, it makes all the difference in the world because they feel loved at the end of the day, no matter what your love language is, every single person was to be seen, heard, and loved. Every and single person. Yeah. And it's that non-physical touch that is so important, especially to women, I think, or non-sexual, sorry, um, not non-physical, non-sexual touch where it's just touching because I love you, not because I want something, right? Or not because it's a sexual um, response or innuendo is just touch me because you love me. Like that non-sexual touch is really important to me. Yeah. Like I'm not after something. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I I just want to, you know, physically touch you and show you that I love you in this way. I love that. I love that. 
Another one that I've got is um, many, many couples keep a scorecard. So keeping a scorecard is really toxic. And this is the way that I used to teach my clients, which was a real aha moment. So I'm about to give you a really big gem for you guys who are listening. So many people are like, well, I did this, this, and this, and this. So I cleaned the dishes. I did the laundry. I walked the dog. I did that. What have, what have you done this last week? And then everything that they do, they do with resentment. And then they resent their partner more. And so therefore they don't want to go up to their partner and give them a kiss or give them a hug or do whatever. This is what I say about scorecards. The reason that it's toxic is because you don't realise that when you're doing something for your partner, you're not doing it for your partner, you're doing it for your relationship. So, and that's the way to see it. So if you're doing something for your partner, reframe that to I'm doing this for our relationship. So whatever action I'm taking, it it doesn't matter if I've taken 10 actions this week that are for him, they're actually for our relationship. So I'm adding to our relationship. I'm making it stronger. Who cares if I've made it 10 times stronger than he has made it or she has made it? So it's all about putting into the relationship. Whatever action you take, It's not for the partner, it's for your relationship. You will end up benefiting from it. I love that. And that is looking at it, like you said, you know, this is for us instead of you, right? It feels better that it's for us. And um, yeah, I like that. And you know what I learned also is I'm going to be honest, I used to keep score. You, I did this and this and this. Oh, yeah, this so did and I. You, right? Oh, and yeah. um, it, it's so interesting because we all have different strengths and we do things differently. And I've also realized different things mean more to me. Like if I don't like dirty dishes in the sink. And so it's important to me that I do the dishes more often. And then, you know, he doesn't like different things. And so it's important to him to do that. So it's not necessarily I did, you did, because we have different things that are important in our lives. And that's what we tend to take care of, that things that we care about. Yeah, absolutely. The things that we care about, we just do it because we're doing it for our relationship. We don't have to expect that somebody else does it as well. Really, really good point. So the next point I want to bring up is um, saying sorry first. Now, this is something my elder sisters, you know, taught me before, you know, when I when I married the first time. They said to me, never ever, and this is something my mum had said to me, really important in our family, you never ever go to sleep, you know, and not having met up. You never ever do that. You always make up before you go to sleep. You don't allow a whole day to go past so many people I know that actually haven't spoken to each other for like a week or two because they're holding on to this resentment. Like yeah. it's just ridiculous because that just builds this kind of – and who ends up being sick? You. Yeah. <laughs> you end up being sick because you're holding on to this resentment because you're expecting the other person to say sorry. And like you've said before, Karen, have I actually done that in the past? Yes, I have done that where, I've, where I felt that I, has, I was so wronged that they needed to say sorry and then I would go to bed sulking and I would want them to come to bed and say sorry and hug me and then they didn't. Yep. And it was just like, okay, I'm devastated and he hasn't even bothered to come upstairs to say sorry to me and here I am waking up all distressed and sicker than I was the day before. 
say sorry always because it will soften the situation. And because you are sorry that this has happened, it doesn't mean that you're saying, sorry, I'm to blame. No, I'm not saying sorry because I'm at fault. So I'm not saying sorry, but I'm really sorry that you are feeling this way. I'm really sorry that this has happened between us. Mm -hmm. See how that's different to being a pushover? Yes, definitely different. I'm sorry this happened to us. And it is very difficult for some people to say they're sorry. And I find that interesting because a lot of it has to do with you know, our childhood. And if we grew up with people saying they're sorry, and it's a tough one for some people, but it's super, super important. And then on that point, what I learned also is after the I'm sorry, the I forgive you. Mm-hmm. super important. When someone tells you they're sorry, if it is because they're sorry about something they did, that I forgive you is super powerful. Yeah, I love that. I also feel like it's important at this point, and remember, I still haven't given my my controversial <laughs> one. I know, let's go with that one, hey? Wait, that's still coming hey. up. It's a coming up event. <laughs> All right. But what I think it's important is, you know, there are many people out there who are in relationships with narcissists and it may seem like we're trying to advise you to um, always be the one that comes forward always the one that gives always the one that 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 there still has to be respect for yourself and for your standards and for who you are so never in a million years no matter what with all the things that I've said would I ever allow myself to be mistreated and let that be okay. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the boundaries. Yeah. And that is knowing where the boundaries are. Yeah. And, and yeah. I have had that conversation where, you know, in a new relationship where something was said to me, which just was not okay. And I made it very clear that just letting you know that that what that sentence you said to me, that's not okay. I don't hang around for stuff like that. So that's not who I am. I just don't hang around. Yeah. Make it very, very clear that it's not it's not something that I need to have an argument about. It's not something that I need to yell about. It's not something that I need to do anything. I'm just letting you know that I don't hang around to be treated like that. That's I value myself way more than that. I know what I'm worth. I know the value that I am. And that's the other important thing, to know your value, to know who you are, and to know that you know, you're not available to be treated any other way. Yeah. And and that's a tough one because sometimes it takes some time to get to the place where you really say, I don't get to be treated like that. You know, especially when you have these long standings, I'll never get divorced and, you know, there's love there and, you know, all that. And, and you do get to get to a space where you're like, I don't, get to be treated like that and I get to set boundaries as tough as that is so absolutely it is tough it is tough but but could I just say that with new relationships it's really important to to Mm. to be right up front straight away as soon as you feel like there's something that's been said to you that's not okay like as an example I had a situation where something was said to me which my partner thought was funny but Mm -hmm. I took it as derogatory made it very well known that no, that's not funny to me. <laughs> yes, we learned from past funny. 
Yeah, we learn from past relationships, like what we're going to put up with and what is not okay. And then, yeah, we get to um, definitely in that second one. And before you give us your last one, I just want to mention one more. And we don't really even have to talk about this because we all know what it means. And that's not bringing up the past because we as women love to bring up the past. You did this. You did that. Remember the last time. And what, you know, what I do know now is that it's not about the past. It's about the present. And how do we get to be in the future? I think we do need to talk about it because that's a really important point that people do do. So I think it's a very important point and it seems obvious to us because we don't do that behavior anymore, but both of us have in the past and there are people listening right now who their partner does it or they do it. So this is what you do when your partner brings up the past. So it's like, okay, that was then and this is now. So I don't want to talk about what happened then. I want to talk about where we're going now. So you need to monitor that your when your partner brings up the past, that you stay in the present and then you, no matter how much you want to, because I know sometimes it's very bloody tempting when, you know, your partner's bringing up something about the present and you're like, but hey, what about like last week when you did this? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? On that point, something that is is very effective is when the past is brought up is to respond with that was the past and from today forward, I'm committed to. So now they know that, yes, that was the past and I made a mistake or it wasn't right. And from now on, I'm committed to doing it this way or being this way. And so they know that you are going, you are working on it and and you're committed to being a different way. Yeah. I love that because actually both partners want to know, well, what are you going to do about it now? Because one thing that used to irk me in the past was when someone would say sorry to me, but it was like, yeah, but is this behavior going to change? Like the sorry is fine, but are you going to change anything? And so what you're saying is you're actually saying, I am now committed to, because ultimately what do you want? You want a happy relationship. And so it takes this, this, this work at it, but the work pays off. Like Christian and I work really hard at our relationship when we first got together. We did all the quizzes you could think of. You know, he read all the relationship books. We did so much, but it has paid off. It really has paid off. So that yeah, is that's so important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I am committed to. So so now yeah. I am committed to whatever the new action is. Right. Yeah. I yeah. love that. All right. You are killing me. What is this last one? <laughs> now, this is going to be really controversial. Because I know okay. that when I've told my girlfriends this, they're like, you're kidding me. Because it, it seems like I am demeaning myself, but let me explain. So this last one, okay, I have never now, I've only ever been in long-term relationships and I've got no judgment for people who have been in short-term relationships, okay. So I've been in three, I'm 55, and I've been in three long-term relationships. So when I say whatever I'm going to say, I'm talking about with these three men okay the the ones who were my husbands and my partner um I have never ever ever said no to sex (laughs) you're just looking at me never ever ever in all of your relationships never ever ever in all my relationships even if I didn't feel like it and I tell you why Okay. I'll tell you why. I've never said no. One is because 
I never wanted to use sex as a weapon. So I never wanted to use it as, well, you did this to me, so why should I give you that? And uh, it's not about me giving something. It's about us coming together. And the way that I saw it is it's always an opportunity. It's always an opportunity to um, to be intimate. Well, I want to say there may have been a couple of exceptions when the time was really inappropriate, like, you know, I'm in the middle of something or whatever. But even these days, even something like that, I still say yes, even if it's – in fact, it happened yesterday in the middle of the kitchen and it wasn't <laughs> – we're about to have dinner, so my mind was elsewhere, but it was like, hey, you know, like it's an opportunity and that's the way that I see it. It's an opportunity. And so, yeah, even though I was about to like, we're both making dinner, it was like it's an opportunity for intimacy. What a beautiful opportunity. Like I don't want to be on my deathbed and go like I just said no to being intimate with my loved one because I had to take out the rubbish or because I had to wash the dishes, or because I had to dry the dishes. Like, you know, it's. I believe it's so important to have intimate relationships. So even when I don't feel like it, I'll say yes. And I'm of the belief the more you do it, the more you want it. And the less you do it, the less you want it. And it is a key component of an intimate relationship. So many people that I know, their relationship becomes platonic. Like it's like they are flatmates because that part of it has been taken away. And no judgment if that's if you're both really, really happy and that's what you want. Okay, perfect. But, you know, the more you do it, the more you want it. And so never in my mind have I ever said no to sex with my significant other. Yeah, you know, I have to say, going to a lot of marital counselors, it, it, I have been told many times, and it is biblical to not say no, because especially for men, that's part of their, you know, that's part of their identity. Like, that's who they believe they are. And when you're yes. saying no to that, you're saying no to them. And I am going to put in the caveat that you it's tough when you don't have a good relationship because I cannot tell you how many times in my life, in my marriage, I would wake up in the morning and want the relationship to be good. And we were struggling. And I would say to myself, today, I am going to do this. Today, it's important. Today, like, and I would promise myself. And then this is all of that being an integrity with yourself, right? Because I would make a promise to myself. And then the emotions would come up and the feelings would come up and I'd be like, I don't, I don't have it in me. And the problem, the challenge with that is, is A, now you're out of integrity with yourself because you made yourself a promise and B, you're in that space like you were in. And so that's a tough one. And what I want to reiterate is that this is in, this is in that relationship before it gets hard, like keep it in a good space by being in that space. And, you know, like you said, don't say no. Well, the other thing is with all these things that Karen and I have said, you know, it's all our opinion. And at, you know, in, at the end of the day, there is no right and there is no wrong. So it's, it's, it's my opinion. This is my value. This is what I, 
I want to make sure that my man feels like a man in, in this relationship. I want to make sure that my man feels very loved in this relationship. I want to make sure that my man wants to be with me more than anybody else in this relationship. And it's worked. So, yeah. you know, you know, with all the things that we have said, take what you resonate with and then the other things may just be seeds that can just sort of sit around and see how you feel about it and see how that works with your particular circumstances because all circumstances are different, all relationships yeah. are different and we're not suggesting that this is the formula for every single relationship. It's just what's worked for us and me being 55, Karen being 53, it's what we have learned through our own way of doing the opposite stuff, what actually works now because I know now I am a better partner now at 55 than I've ever been in the past. Oh, absolutely, right? That's wisdom, experience. And what I love about what you just said is you are so right. Like this is our opinion. This is what's worked for us. And remember, we're speaking as if it's you and I and it's our soul sisters get real conversation. The conversations you and I used to have before we decided to do this podcast and just getting real with each other about, hey, what's working for you? This is working for me. It doesn't necessarily mean that anyone that's in any different situation will work for us. So, yeah. Awesome. Yay. Awesome episode. We'd love to hear your opinions. So please let us know. Thank you for joining us. So have an awesome week and um, have lots of sex. <laughs> Thanks for watching. We hope you loved it. And if you did, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. And remember, always connect to your truest essence and choose love. We'll see you next time.